What up, fellow gamers? Rise up, am I right? Anyways, just wanted to let you know this is a part two in case you missed out on the episode title. Make sure you check out part one first so you don't miss out on all those epic 360 no-scope MLG wins. Come back once you're done, or just go on. What am I going to do? Enjoy the episode. Vicious virtual reality, satisfying sword skills, and a teenager who's far too good at killing people. We had Casey watch Sword Art Online, and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? All right, so let's move on to episode two. Uh, we get a reminder from Kirito in case you missed the after credit scene, which we did not, uh, that more than 2,000 players have died since the start of SAO. Even Kirito, a former beta tester, has been unable to locate the boss room, which to me makes me assume they moved it. Mm-hmm. A meeting is being held in Tolbana to discuss how to find and defeat the first floor boss. It straight up sounded like you said a meeting's being held in Obama. But it is held in Obama. That's level 40. Um, it is being held by Obama's elf, and he tells us that he doesn't want to be Obama's elf. Actually, Obama's elf that's level anymore. 44. <laughs> because the president. Don't want to be Obama's elf anymore. <laughs> a self-proclaimed knight, Diavel, calls a meeting to order at town center of Tolbana. After a brief moment of joking amongst the attendees over the lack of a job system in the game, Diabel regains the attention of everyone and announces that his party has located the boss room at the top of the labyrinth, much to everyone's surprise. He declares that they, as the current strongest players of the game, have a duty to defeat the boss and reach the second floor so that all the other players in the town of the beginning know that it's possible to clear the game and so that they can move forward. I don't trust any of these people. Y'all don't know what you're doing. I, I would have sat there and be like, sure, sure, we're going to do that. And I'll wait for all these people to get killed. <laughs> and then what, Casey? You and then I the go and I, I would just sneak in after like, you know, and just play my little part. <laughs> Trust none of these people. Oh, I don't know what God. they're doing. Uh, everyone agrees enthusiastically. The bill suggests that the players form parties with each other as a raid group would stand a better chance against the boss in a typical party. Kirito kind of gets panicked because he's like, oh my god, everyone already has friends. Oh my god, I'm such a loner. I'm a little loner boy, so sad. Such a little loner boy. He was a loner boy. He said, see you, loner boy. <laughs> By the way, I was thinking during this part, do you remember Scary Movie 2? Yeah. You know the part where she's like, hold on. All you white people want to spit <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking that part this whole time <laughs> uh, but it just reminds me of like being the like socially awkward kid that had no friends when it, when the teacher was like split into groups can't relate i bet you non-losers can't relate all my socially awkward kids rise up oh my god wait no i had experiences like nope, that you had your chance that you can't Scott, was like, wait, 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 i could now. imagine being i guess a loser no i had the <laughs> See, what we did, Casey, is literally what Kirito did as the losers. Basically, you wait until everyone else has made groups so that you can only pick what's left. Absolutely. And it's traumatizing experience being chose last. So it's like, hey, I know something we have in common. We both suck. (laughs) (laughs) So Kirito sees that practically everyone has formed parties. So he just kind of like panics until he notices a hooded girl alone and asks her to form a party with him. She accepts. Kirito notices that her name is Asuna. Besides their hit point gauge. Guys love girls with a hood. I've heard, I heard that guys will laugh at girls when they're not funny, but I heard girls only like cars and money. Oh, boys don't like girls. Girls like cars and money. This is true. Oh, uh, from our favorite band, GC <laughs> GCR. <laughs> from Good our Charlotte favorite Romance. novel, My Immortal. <laughs> oh, boy. God, I love his ripped up GC shirt with his black <laughs> tight leather pants and his black le- uh, leaders <laughs> and Voldemort came in with a gun <laughs> uh excuse me it's Voldemort Voldemort no it's Voldemort it's Voldemort. Voldemort. or the Italian Voldemort there's so many don't forget when he was Darth Vader 
<laughs> you guys seriously freaking read my immortal. Dying. After the parties had been formed, the meeting was interrupted by a player who introduces himself as Kibao, when he demands an apology from several vague players for the 2,000 deaths in the game. Diabell realizes he's referring to the former beta testers. Kibao affirms this notion and accuses the beta testers of not offering any help to the beginners, and instead seizing all the best hunting grounds and easy quests for themselves. Which we kind of saw, like, in episode one with Kirito, but, like... I mean, look, this is my thing. It's like, yes and no, because we learn here that, to kind of jump ahead... Agil interrupts to be like, hey, you're being dumb because the beta testers gave us a notebook that anyone can get for free that tells us all what we were supposed to do to succeed. You must have just not read it. And then he's like, oh, okay. So the beta testers kind of do need to look out for themselves because at the end of the day, everyone's literal lives are on on the line. Yeah. But they didn't just leave everyone high and dry. They wrote a guide for them. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what? Look at the material. That's all I have to say. Look at the material. <laughs> um, by the way, so how could they like, like maybe it's even harder for beta testers. I have a theory. Hear me out here. So beta testers don't know what the final like game's going to look like, mm-hmm. you know? And like they already have an expectation going in with, uh, you know, I don't know, like what it's supposed to be. And the other people have no expectation. Yeah. Right. So like. Well, Maybe honestly, it's easier to adapt as the person with no experience. Well, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, again, yeah, not to jump too ahead, that. but that's literally what happens to Diabelle. Exactly. So, also, yeah, he's basically like, you should have read the book. And then he kind of walks away. So they take mm-hmm. so Diabelle kind of takes the meeting back over and he explains that the main boss is Ilfang, the kobold lord. <laughs> and that he has his minions called the Ruined Kobold Sentinels. Those are my drag names. <laughs> I was actually impressed in like the weirdest way because I was fantasy anime for some reason a lot of times gets fantasy races wrong mm. and I was like oh those are actually kobolds I'm so impressed we know what that means yeah you do <laughs> no kobolds are like a like dragonling race like they're descendant from dragons they're mm-hmm. not dragons themselves they have like dragon like faces oh mm. do you not know that Casey I did not oh wow wow uh yeah Skylar I'm sure you totally knew that yeah because I have a D&D husband yep <laughs> hmm. You guys said you got picked last, huh? huh. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you know what, Casey? You get picked last to today. You get picked last in the Cobalt team. <laughs> he also told them on his last bar of HP, the boss would discard his weapons and equip a tall war and use a different combat style. Thinking that the book was completely correct, the attending members decided not to scout the boss to check if there were any mistakes in the book and plan a battle Ilfang the next day because they're a bunch of dummies. Mm. Dummies. During the night, Asuna was eating dinner while Kirito came and joined her, prompting her to move away from him, which was... She's just literally like, slide. You know what? Some people don't want to be sat next to by themselves, you know? I get it. Casey and every Uber. Me. Me and every Uber. Me anywhere. Me anywhere. <laughs> Kirito me gives on Asuna... the bus. Yeah, I mean, women kind of have to on the bus. Men are freaking creeps. Yep. Kirito gives Asuna a jar that tastes like cream, which she enjoys very much. To the extent that she literally just, like, takes a spread that she hates and, like, gobbles it up. Gobble me, swallow me. (laughs) 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 Wet wet cream bread. (laughs) WCB. (laughs) Oh, God. Kirito tells her that the jar was a reward he got from a quest and offers to show her the trick, but she quickly rejects the offer, stating that she didn't come to town to enjoy food, but so that she can be by herself rather than sit and wait at the first town. It just made me think of like I'm not here to find love. I'm here to be a businesswoman. Oh, for sure. It's it's a uh, what's that mock part of Saturday Night? Oh, not Saturday Night. Thirty Rock, where it's called Milf Island. Milf Island. <laughs> Milf Island. God. I didn't come here to uh, make friends. I came to be number one. <laughs> Very <laughs> odd energy. 
Even if she gets killed, she doesn't want to lose to the game. Kirito tells her that he doesn't want a party member to die and asks her to try not to die. That's helpful. Hey, hey. Please hey. don't die. <laughs> that's hey. that's all I would need hey. to hear. Don't die. Don't die. I'd be like, hey, 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 look at me. Don't die. Oh. Okay, I'm, finally, someone spoke to me. No one's ever told me not to die. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm going to die tonight. Exactly. I have died. I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Guys, we've been living together and our brains are about to sync up. <laughs> the next day, Kirito and Asuna were asked to target the boss's minions, the ruined Kobold Sentinels. While walking to the boss, they plan strategies to defeat the helpers, and Kirito learns Asuna has never been in a party before. Wow, you've never been to a party before. Freaking loser. Of course she got chosen. Freaking loser. Freaking loser. <laughs> loser. The group, en- the group enters the floor boss room where Ilfang the Kobold Lord awaited along with his spawning minions. And the two factions charge at each other. Diavel leads the raiding party and gives out commands on blocking and attacking the boss and his minions. During the battle, Kirito notices Asuna's speed, remarking that he could not keep up with her blade and that she's clearly not a beginner. As the boss's fourth HP gauge reaches the red zone, Diavel orders everyone to keep their distance, advancing ahead of the group, and approaches the boss alone. And I was like, this is trying to get all the credit. There's a term in MMOs. I've never been an MMO guy, so I don't know it. But where you just kind of like solo the boss so that you get all the XP for yourself. And that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, it's uh, called yes, being a butt uh, munch. Uh, a boss hog. <laughs> I think that's the villain from Dukes of Hazard, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it, but I, that sounds right. I, I, I've never seen it, but it sounds right. <laughs> it confuses Kirito as the original plan was for the raid group to surround it. However, Kirito quickly notices that something is wrong when Ilfang pulls out a Nodachi instead of a Talwar, which Ilfang had used in the closed beta. Kirito tells Diavel to stop and pull back, but it's too late. And the latter receives a deadly combo from the boss's katana skills. Because he spent his time studying the blade. Mm. I studied the blade. <laughs> he had a Hitori Hanzo sword. <laughs> a real Hitori Hanzo sword. A real Hitori Hanzo sword. Oh my gosh. I will say I was happy <laughs> because I had felt like he was trying to get all the points, like we said. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when you do a group project with everybody and there's that one person that does nothing and then they just show up and get that grade at the end. I mean, he was delegating. Yeah, he was delegating. He was, no, he's he was doing, doing what a guild delegating. leader is supposed to do. At mm. the end of the day, not everyone's going to get the XP. Only one group was going to get the XP. He had already set the system up that way. He never made it clear that he was always going to be the, you know, he was clearly still being sus, but at the end of the day, he was doing it for the greater good. He didn't have to do this to begin with type of thing, yeah. you know? Mm. Um, as Diavel's uh, health speedily reduced to zero, Kirito tries to give him a healing potion, but he rejects it. In his last moment, Kirito learns that Diavel was also a beta tester and he was after the last attack, which gives you a special bonus item. Do you think he just had a death wish? He's like, please don't bring me back. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm done now. I think so, because he offers him the, the elixir to restore his HP, and he's like, he's- Well, I think, because I think he was just like, honestly, might as well, you know? Right. It's been two months. That's <laughs> right. He reveals he knew. Uh, he reveals that he knew Kirito had been in the beta as well, and he asks Kirito to defeat the boss for everyone, for he has shattered into many polygons. Mm. Kirito attempts to defeat the boss with the same strategies they had used on the ruined Kobold Sentinels. The boss proves to be fast and attacks Asuna first, but she dodges the hit, resulting in her cloak being destroyed, revealing her pretty, pretty face. Yeah, that reveal, mm, so good, Flamour. cinematic beauty. <laughs> Agil saves them from receiving the final blow and tells them to recover while the rest hold the boss off. Which I love Agil. He's so cool. 
Mm-hmm. I like his like giant warhammer. He's just a cool character. Yeah, he he's definitely um, like. Does he become a bartender or no? He definitely runs a shop at some okay. point. Okay, I forget what it is. I was like, because he he might he be a blacksmith actually. No, he's of. not a blacksmith. I don't remember. I was like, he has like one of those like NPC feels. Well, like... yeah, he he ends up taking up uh, a job somewhere in one of the towns. Hell yeah, good for him. Hmm. Uh, Making after a name for himself. Yeah. After they recover, Kirito and Asa give one last hit, and Kirito receives the last attack on the boss, giving him the last attack bonus item, the Coat of Midnight. To complete his little emo boy look. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he doesn't take it quite yet. Um, he kind of stares at it in disbelief, kind of taking in everything that just happened, and everyone starts celebrating their victory until Kibao and his group remind everyone that DFL died, and they super blame Kirito for it. Which I think is, like, so... Unfair. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, like, okay, so their logic is you clearly knew the strategy because you freaked out when he pulled out the Nodaichi, and if you had warned us about the strategy, he wouldn't have died. And Kirito, I mean, Kirito could have easily been like, no, this thing's changed since the beta test, and regardless, clearly Diavel was going to charge in regardless, right? Yeah. But Kibao, or whatever his name is, clearly hasn't listened to reason once this entire thing. They just wanted to complain. There's always those people. They just want to complain complain about everything. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry. Y'all didn't even have a plan. You wouldn't have done it differently. You probably would have messed everything up. So just like, hush up. Be happy you're still alive. And plus, he didn't even know that DFL was also a beta tester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, As everyone starts to suspect each other of being beta tester, Kirito remembers DFL's last words and gulps. He realizes that he needs to kind of become the bad guy so that the rest of the beta testers become safe. And that everyone kind of has, like, a common enemy. Yeah, he mm. totally leans into it. So he just starts laughing maniacally. I was about it. It's mm. super, like, it's a, it's definitely a psycho laugh, which I love. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> He's 14, Skylar. Skylar loves 14-year-old psychos. <laughs> Oh, he's sweet, buddy, psycho. <laughs> Agil and Asuna try to he's speak. He's 14. He's 14. Team buddy, psycho. psycho. <laughs> Agil and Asuna try to speak, but Kirito laughs maniacally and tells the clearing group that they were better than those newbie beta testers who did not know how to level up. Clearly, he's just trying to be like, don't be mad at the beta testers. They're just as new as you are, which isn't necessarily true for everyone, but it might be true for some of them. But he's just trying to get the heat off of them uh, and boasted that he was not like the other testers because he reached higher floors than them and knew the boss's attack pattern because he fought monsters using katana skills on higher floors and stated that he knew more than any information broker, clearly referring to the beta testers who were nice enough to put the book together. Kibao and many players in the clearing group then accused Kirito of being a cheater and one of them categorizes him as a beater, a beta tester slash cheater. And I was like, oh, you so think you're creative. so clever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. You thought of that yourself? Oh, so cute. Cheater, beater, heck, you know. Cheater, beater, pumpkin eater. eater. Exactly. Kirito expresses enjoyment in having the new title and tells the other players not to confuse them with those other beta testers. After equipping the Cloak of Midnight to distinguish himself and look pretty badass in the process. Emo boy. Yeah. He was wearing uh, definitely a black lead- coat, a red leather. Definitely <laughs> leading into the vampire setting. That's what I was going to say. You know? Vampire. You were kind of right. Uh, I told you guys I'm always right. He kind of does a little like, look a little like Harry Potter, too. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I was right yet again with these <laughs> predictions. I can't help it. Kirito soon leaves the group behind and proceeds to open the gate to the next floor. Asuna briefly stops him and asks how he knew her name. And Kirito kind of just is like, it's right there. <laughs> I the can read. <laughs> and she's like. Oh, is that where it is? That's so funny. And she's she's not at all mad at him, and you could tell. Mm-hmm. 
And she feels a little dumb, and it's it's cute. It's a whole thing. Kirito tells Asuna that someone strong like her should find a guild she can trust. There are limits to what a solo player can do. Afterwards, she dissolves the party and heads to the second floor. Sex is better two. than masturbation. True. What'd you say? Sex is better than masturbation. It's true. Yeah. So those are the limits to what a solo player can do. It's true. Uh, what did you think of episode two, Casey? It was great. Um, like I said, it's... Because obviously the first episode, we spent a whole bunch about the lore and how things were going to go, kind of. And like now it's kind of nice to see um, what we're building up to each episode. Do you know what I mean? With every level. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of like the first episode was so methodically paced and there's so much lore. And And this one kind of was like meeting, fight, end. Like it it ran through it in a way where it didn't feel like... Because I feel like other animes would have had this this first boss i'd be like three episodes you know right exactly i think it was a great balance like i said it was it was challenging enough that you weren't like oh my gosh like there's gonna be 49 more of these yeah you know and but also like it didn't go on too long yeah for sure Mm -hmm. it's a great pace and it's just like oh it's not all like super bleak there's like definitely a lot it gave a preview of like all the action that's to come yeah and it kind of speaks to also, remember I was saying, like, there was, like, a Hunger Games vibe to it. And you were talking about animosity. And, like, I feel like it's now it's kind of I'm starting to see, like, what that's going to be between mm-hmm. um, the all players. The characters. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I, I, I love hearing all these thoughts. Let's get into some of the other stuff and then we'll break for the playlist and then we'll get our closing thoughts on this. Excellent. So let's talk about the opening theme song. Casey, what did you think of the opening? It was good. You know what was great about it? It's, um, I, I don't know if I've said this about other things, but this is how I feel about this particular one. Like the vocals were very like, r- the vocals were very rock and roll. And, but like the sound is like, it would be on a DDR. Like, so oh, for we sure. Have- rock and roll DDR. Hell yeah. <laughs> we have news for you. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a rock and roll DDR. No, no, no. Oh. Uh, you've actually heard another theme song by this singer before. And I probably said the exact same thing. <laughs> You definitely liked it almost. So the other theme song, uh, I mean, we're jumping ahead because usually I tell you the name afterwards, but this is by Lisa, who oh. also did the Demon Slayer theme song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's great. We're yeah, fan. no, she kills it every time. Mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah, she's great, though. Uh, no, I totally love this theme song. It's super good. I mean, it's it's not like my top five anime theme songs of all time, but it's, it's, it's definitely, ten. it's good. It's good. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the song is Crossing Fields by Lisa. Which was... By the way, you guys, my top listen song in 2020, according to Spotify. Interesting. Yeah. What was your top top listen song? My top listen song. Oh, and this is where Paige is about to read me because I have Apple Music. But I know my top listen song, and I have so much pride about this. Um, it is a cover of Third Eye Blind's Never Let You Go by Hilary Duff. Oh, I've never <laughs> heard of this and I want to hear it oh, so bad. It is the best, you guys. Never I was heard obsessed. Of it, I want to hear it so bad. It's covered by Hillary Duff and Matthew Cuomo and um, DJ RAC remixed it. And it's fantastic. Check it out. I'll have to check it out. Uh, my my top song of the year was E-Girls Are Ruining My Life by Corpse and Savage Gas, which is a bop. As someone who's been with you on this podcast, I can tell you that an E-Girl is definitely ruining your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a super good song. Um, it's by this. Who? Who is she? Tell me. Eva. <laughs> Eva the dog. It's by Eva this YouTuber E-girl? slash Twitch uh, slash streamer, uh, and it's it's super good. He has like a super sexy deep voice. Mm. So let's talk about the closing song. What did you think of that, Casey? The closing song, I liked it. Um, it is like I said. I mean, 
kind of like I said, not like wouldn't be like my top ten outros of all time. But you actually liked it, which but is I better than like a lot it. of outros. Yes, it's true. I have not liked a bunch of them, but this one was good. Um, and I'm excited to when we get to the point where we talk about like who would have seen each one because mine's specific, but it's gonna make make so much sense. Uh, I like it a lot. It's it's really interesting. It's good. The backing music though, like the instrumental. It's not bad, but it sounds like the instrumental at a karaoke room. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I would have walked in while that's blaring and been like, God, someone turned that down. Uh, What do you think of it, Sky? I loved it. It was cute. The visuals remind me of Kingdom Hearts. I get that. The closing song is Yume Sekai by Tomatsu Haruka, which is actually the voice actress of of Asuna. Oh. Yeah. So let's jump into who we think would have done these songs justice in a contemporary medium. So let's start with that opening. Who do you think would have done it justice, Casey? Okay, so for the opening, I wrote down Letters to Cleo. Should have done the uh, opening song. Because, like, fun. Right, because, like, the lead singer, K, something, him or her last name, because she's done, you know, all the movie songs, like 10 Things I Hate About You, Josie and the Pussycats, all I that, see like, it. rock vocals, but to a more, like, poppy, kind of a poppier sound. So that's what um, I said. I, I super dig that. Yeah, I completely agree. Skyler? Um, I chose uh, Ellie Goulding. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I see that. I see it, but it's an interest. I would have never gone there. Mm-hmm. That's, all, that's, all, that's all that was. Uh, but I like it, but I would have never thought of it. Um, mine's is Paramore. It feels oh, like a yeah. Paramore song. I could see that, yeah. Because it is that rock pop mm-hmm. vibe, and mm-hmm. I feel like Paramore really encapsulates that. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about the closing song. We'll start off with Skylar because Casey seems like he's got like a big bomb to drop on us. A big reveal. Um, I chose, uh, I think her name's Rachel Platten. Oh, yeah, Fight Song. Yeah. Oh, I totally see that. Totally see that. <laughs> I call her Fight Song. This is <laughs> my, my fight song. <laughs> a, a Karen bat goes into a Target to like fight the manager. <laughs> she puts on Fight Song first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll do mine next uh, so that we can have Casey uh, finish this off. But I went with Jewel. Oh, oh I can see yeah, that. Totally. Especially yeah. if you go into like that weird era where Jewel was like, I'm tired of sounding country. I'm going to sound more pop. Right. Uh, I forget what the song is, but I was listen- literally listening intuition? to it the other day. I, it's, yes, I think it's Intuition. Where she mm. tried to, yeah, she tried to go pop. Really yeah. Weird. And Intuition, her vocal, because I was re-listening to Jewel to, be about, to see if I was right. And I just wasn't getting the vibe. I was going to say, you were meant for me. Well, because You Were Meant For Me is where my brain went. But like, so I went and listened to You Were Meant For Me and I was like, the backing track is there, but the vocals aren't there. Like, it's not clicking. But when I re-listened to Intuition, I was like, haha, this is where the vocals are. It's a good song. Jewel can do anything. So Casey, take us home. Okay, this is, stay with me for this one. I was thinking about like, because I think we're kind of all in a similar area where it's kind of like, um, kind of singer songwriter, kind of goes a little pop, kind of, I feel like pop ballad kind of style so i went with the carpenters oh like karen it. carpenter's voice like i could totally see on that yeah i PJ totally see it kind of just learned about the carpenters kind of really did i just yeah remember the, the whole trivia thing you're like i don't know who this is oh my god they could be walking down the street they're like so <laughs> no, legend. the reason i knew about the carp the reason i just learned about the carpenters is because i realized they they went to my first high school right and uh, the same did time. you go to downey high school yeah yeah, yeah, Karen. Yeah, they went there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So I was looking up famous alumni from my high schools, and I've been to three. So I started with Downey because that was my freshman year, and I was like, the Carpenters. 
I feel like I've heard of them. And Skylar played me one of the songs, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this sounds familiar." Yeah, they're great. They build My- houses, and uh, I'm just <laughs> 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 uh, PJ hates Christmas me for song. that joke, you guys. You can't. No, you just gave me an idea for a trivia round, which <gasps> is a round on carpenters and the carpenters. Oh my god, that would be what? great. So I think those are all phenomenal choices. I totally hear the Carpenters. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know what the song is I actually thought of with that with this one? Um, Superstar, which has been covered by like Mott and Hopple, like a whole oh, bunch yeah. of Oh yeah, Mott the Hoople is Yeah. And like it's that's the vibe I was kind of thinking of. Um, perfect. Perfect. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's uh take another quick break to watch that playlist that Skylar put together so we can give you some more context before we start giving your final thoughts. And yeah, we'll be right back. Uh, Everyone stay tuned and check out that playlist too. It'll be in the description of the episode. The world has survived a truly traumatic event. Thousands lost, needlessly, to the whims of a game creator. The Sword Art Online tragedy will forever live in infamy, and we mourn those we lost. But hey, what are you gonna do? Not play the most immersive VR ever? Of course you are. So welcome to Elfheim. Elfheim is the newest game for the Nerf gear, and this time, you can fly. We know you are low-key jealous of the people stuck in SAO. Again, bless those we lost. So it's your turn to jump in. And those of you who are stuck in SAO, bless you and we're glad you're back. We know the real world is nearly impossible to handle and reintegrate into now. So give into your environmental Stockholm Syndrome and buy this game! Some people say it's too soon, but we say someone's gotta capitalize, baby! Also, what are the odds this game also has a deranged game master with a god complex? Like seriously, there's no way anything terrible could happen a second time or any subsequent times with future games. So go down to your local game shop and buy Elfheim today! Konnichiwa, my fellow weebs. Casey here. Thank you for the first time for listening to our podcast. If you missed the warning up top, it may be a bit late at this point, but make sure you check out part one of this episode. Never miss any episodes by keeping up with our social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kawaii Desu Pod, or by searching for Kawaii Disappointment Podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Kawaii Disappointment.podcast and subscribe to our YouTube by searching for Kawaii Disappointment. Or go to our website, kawaii-disappointment.pinecast.co for links to those socials, as well as all of our episodes. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Some notes from this episode. This is from the same recording session, so this is still our first time recording in person, so please forgive any crosstalk and echoes. We'll work to improve our setup and give you the best episodes we can. Tune in next week when PJ and Skylar force me to watch what they have described to me as the cutest anime ever, My Roommate is a Cat. You won't want to miss me reacting to it, so tune in. Now back to the podcast. All right, everyone, we're back and we watch a playlist to give Casey some more context, some more feels, some more information, some more, you know, just general thoughts on everything. So now that you have all that, Casey, what do you think? Wow. Um, it is, there's some high stakes. It's got, you know, like you watch a war movie mm-hmm. or the best war movie, Star Wars Rogue One. Honestly, uh, one of the best, the best Star Wars movies, at least. It has that same weight to me, like where the stakes are super high. Um, it doesn't have Diego Luna, so it's not as good. That is a big downside for sure. They could have fixed that anime with that, but, (laughs) 
what they do well is they build the stakes correctly, as we talked mm-hmm. from the first episode, and really know how to get you invested, you know, mm-hmm. especially with additional uh, clips we saw. And yeah, I'm, I'm super about it. Hell yes. Everything is so gorgeous. It's all animated so beautifully. Also, I wish I could be a 16-year-old homeowner in a game. All you got to do is, yeah, be stuck in a game and be really good at it. Mm. I've been a 16-year-old homo. Is that close? <laughs> Closer than me. I've been a 16-year-old nair, so we just put us together and we're a homo nair. Oh, my God. There we go. <laughs> no. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I yeah, no, I really love this anime. Just for your knowledge, Casey, this anime is actually really controversial within the anime community. For misleading of- the anime community about a potential uh, potential homosexual relationship in the no. first episode <laughs> and then totally abandoning it. No, uh, I, it's honestly, it's so interesting because I mm. really like this anime. Like Skylar and I watched this with our old roommates years ago and we had such a good time watching it. We loved it. And then we went on and it was like the internet was like, yeah, Star Online's a worse anime. Either people either love it or they hate it. Like there's no in between. Mm. What is the criticism of this anime? Actually, I was watching like some videos earlier where it was like it started out so strong and just like the constant adding on to everything is kind of like I think everyone just wanted to end after the first arc like before um, Elfheim started. Yeah, which I love Elfheim actually. Um, I, I really like the middle end of Elfheim. I don't like the Leafa stuff. I'm s- you don't, you don't like Kirito's little sister being in him? No. I mean, but it's bad because it's not just in the gate. It's not like, oh no, you were my brother and I was into you. Yikes. No, she's like into him in real life. Also, he is adopted. So like, so like it's, it's better but like still not great because they were raised together if you don't share blood it's all good Mm. (laughs) unless you're a vampire there's a reason that sentence only works when you say it in a country accent oh (laughs) by the way do you think like any criticism of this uh, anime like i think if that was really released now especially with the current climate it probably would be received a lot better Mm -hmm. i I actually agree i think a lot of people are revisiting it now yeah, I would agree. Did you end up with a favorite character throughout all of this? My favorite character, not Klein. I did like Klein, though. Um, but he needs to come back when he's a main character. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the clips, you guys. Watch the clips. Um, no, I I think it was the, it's the guy who stood up when... Uh, you're thinking of Aguil, yeah? Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. Well, and like I said, I think just from that first scene, and then... Con- uh, like from what I saw on, it sounds like that's who he is as a character consistently. Yeah, no, he's super cool. Mm-hmm. Like just that first scene, because I mean, like I said, I can't stand these people, especially that one guy, the one guy that's Kaibo like or whatever his name is. Yeah, I, I wrote he's him a down punk. A short little. Yeah, he's a punk. Like honestly, like standing up to him and his like other like negative Nancy people, I'm not about that. Like, like, yeah, yeah, no, I love him. He's one of my favorites. Skylar, what about you? It's Klein. It's Klein. Klein's great. I love Klein. Klein. Okay, so we watched this whole video and they kept saying RIP to Klein's screen time. And I agree. But honestly, what I love about this anime, too, is the world feels lived in when the characters aren't there still. You know, like, yeah, when Klein comes back, it's not like, oh, I'm still where you left me. It's like, no, he's like part of the guild. And like he has like like the characters have their own lives outside of Kirito, which I really love about the writing. Yes, mm-hmm. because bad writing sometimes will make it be like, yep. And here they are, the exact same character you left them. Well, you know? even like uh, in the beginning, it's not like Asuna and Kirito like 
immediately go. Like, he leaves, and she forges her own way in, like, her own guild and stuff. Yeah, this anime does such a good job of building the world. Like, again, yeah, Kirito and Asuna even seeing each other for, like, a few episodes before she comes back, and all of a sudden she's the vice commander of of her own order, you know? Like, it's impressive the way they do it. Yeah, and especially because, like, on that, just on that note about, like, they have, the characters are their own people outside of uh, Kirito. I just think it's really, because when, when it comes to these, like, like, a lot of people are going to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, having the characterization is so important so that you feel something every time that something bad, tragic happens. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't It become, raises the yeah. stakes. Yeah, exactly. I'd say my favorite character is a split between all of Kirito's harem. Because <laughs> every single girl that meets Kirito falls in love with him. But they all have such interesting personalities. Like, there's the girl from his first guild. There's the blacksmith girl. There's uh, As- uh, Asuna. There's a bunch of them. And I love all of them. And She's he, a rich but girl. But he only married one. Yeah, I love Asuna. Okay, so that's something I want to talk about. They do such a great job, like, keeping Asuna, like, this strong female character. And, like, yeah, yeah she does, like, default into these kind of damsel areas. Um, because, like, Kirito, again, he is, like, very OP because he's the the beater but and i think this is when people started to hate the anime like in the second part the only thing she is is a damn like is a damsel she's a hostage you know and i don't dislike that to the extent that like that's purpose built right like this person has control over the game and purposefully nerfed her basically yeah so that they could like trigger warning rape her yeah Obviously, like, people could argue that that's, like, a problem in the writing. And I, I don't disagree that, you know, maybe it's it's a it's a trope worth not playing into. But I think they didn't, like, make her suddenly weak. It's someone with power abused it to make her weak. Yeah. I don't like that stuff, you know, like, her being taken advantage of or anything. I do, like, just the environment and everything. They make everything so sad, like. They're really good conveying those emotions. And like, I didn't mind that storyline, but I think that's just where a lot of people were like, oh, this sucks now. Yeah, but I honestly, I think it's just the writer trying to be like, even without the threat of, you know, permanent death in this game, people are going to abuse it. And it's only, it's only going to get worse from here. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we jump into our final, final segment, Casey, the world's dying to know, will you keep watching this anime? Yeah, it like I said, I, I I the stakes were presented so clearly to me, and the characters were not garbage. <laughs> like they like I genuinely care about the characters, um, and yeah, I mean it has all the great elements uh, for an anime. Yeah, no, I totally love this anime. All right, uh, so with that in the can, let's jump into. All right, everyone, it's time for my favorite part. Woo! Is there an MV for that? AMV, AMV for that. All right, so you guys know the rules. Three points. We're going to ask Casey for an artist song, and we're going to compare it to the anime one point for each section. Casey, give us an artist and song. Okay, just so you guys know, when I give you this excellent choice, I need to explain also briefly afterwards because there's lore to the song and artist connected. So it's all going to be connected. It's going to be great. So my song and artist choice is Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen. (laughs) 
yes, obviously cut like a sword. It makes sense. And obviously, it you know, it makes total sense. I'm going to make the bold prediction that this does not exist. Yes, pro- maybe. But let me tell you the lore behind um, Carly Rae Jepsen and swords. This is why it makes sense. So... Back in January 2018, lesbian Tumblr suggested that Carly Rae Jepsen is amazing and she should have a sword. And that suddenly started to build traction over several months with memes and artwork being created. And then by the time that uh, Tumblr post had started to about seven months later at Lollapalooza, someone came up and gave her a sword on stage. The prophecy had been fulfilled and it spread like wildfire through Tumblr and Twitter alike. And so she was dancing with a sword at Lollapalooza to cut to the feeling, and it would all just made sense, and it was perfect. I like it. This is such a beautiful story. Honestly, I love it. Right? Thanks, Lesbian Tumblr. You did it again. You know, because Carly Rae Jepsen, I am part of the top 1% of listeners (laughs) to her in 2020. (laughs) Jealous. (laughs) All right, Casey. I could not find... I could find an AMV for Sword Art Online, but not one to Carly Rae Jepsen's Cut to the Feeling. Hmm. I can only assume lesbian Tumblr does not approve of this anime and that you know, they are I'm in gonna, that. I'm going to say that not a complete lack of a crossover, but I think there's not a huge crossover between lesbian Tumblr and AMV makers. Mm. I'm with lesbian Tumblr on this one. <laughs> I get it. I would watch it. Mm-hmm. And like the lore made sense and it like it all had a tie in and yeah. AMV makers get on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So since unfortunately you get no points on that one, Skylar, do you happen to have one? All right, so I do, yes. I'm going to use what originally inspired me for my intro, which is Ellie Golding's Love Me Like You Do. Oh, I used that one last week. You know what? This is for no points, so we're just going to go ahead and use it, uh, even though Casey gets partial credit for that one for saying it last week. Point five points. We're all in this together, together. and we get AMV points for this. Well, unfortunately, since uh, we don't really get anything out of this one, This is going to be a potential zero-pointer, but there's a chance that it can be saved. All right, everyone. It's time for the super secret, not so secret. Is there an AMV for Sword Art Online? To Evanescence, bring me to life. The answer is yes. Of course there is, because it makes no sense. Of course, a million percent there is. (laughs) Yeah, bring me to life. Anytime an anime has like gross numbers of death in it, Bring Me to Life is going to be... I am wondering the connection between this. There's there's a few songs that... I mean, we obviously the reason we do this is because every anime has an AMV to this song, right? That's why, that's why it's our fourth point. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I want to, like, not pitch this to you guys because I don't want to make a change to this. But I feel like there's, like, a Mount Everest of AMV songs. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, Bring Me to Life is on there. I think you have... Bad Boy on there. By Cascada. By Cascada. Yeah. And I think you have Numb by Linkin Park on there. 100%. And who's our fourth Skylar? I feel like you should know. You're the AMV expert. Um, mm, I think I think it's Every Time We Touch. Mm. Maybe yeah. by Cascada. So two Cascadas? You know what? Yeah, let's limit our Cascada usage. It's, a, it's an unfortunate statement, but it's one that needs to be made. In the modern day of AMVs, as I've researched AMVs for this podcast many times now, one band keeps coming up, and they are in almost every anime. Ario Speedwagon. Imagine Dragons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So honestly, Imagine Dragons is that fourth head on that. It's the Mount Everest of AMVs. You have, you know, you have Evanescence, Linkin Park, Cascada, and Imagine Dragons. Hell yeah. All different bands. 
I'll, I'll, you know, it's weird. I don't know. What's the crossover? Oh, gosh. Who knows? Uh, but if you guys feel like there should be other heads to our uh, AMV uh, Mount Everest, Mount Amverest, oh. if you will, <laughs> uh, go ahead and tweet at us. Let us know who you think would uh, who who should be up there instead of one of them, or maybe alongside one of them. You know who should be up there? Carly Rae Jepsen. But these people are dumb, man. <laughs> these dumb. people need to wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. Oh you my. need to start cutting to the feeling. Oh my gosh, Casey, we'll call teach me you. maybe. Casey, you can't do it solo. I'll teach you how to make an AMV. Please and then don't. you can make the cut to the field. Please, please don't. Too bad. You know, and like extra credit. <laughs> it's like when that guy turns into the Teen Wolf. <laughs> I'm gonna turn into a weeb. <laughs> weeb wolf. Weeb no. wolf. <laughs> he said weeb wolf, and all I can think about is like you know in Teen Wolf when like uh, he's wearing like his sports jacket and stuff. It's just like a werewolf wearing like a shirt that has like the ahigo face on it. <laughs> See, I imagine actually like those uh, like silk button ups that every like teenage boy had in the early 2000s that had like knockoff anime characters on them oh, and like blue flames. <laughs> I had like three of those, you guys. Oh, oh no. So you said you weren't picked for <laughs> I wore it with a badge of pride. You can't shame me yeah. for it. I'm not shaming. I'm just pointing out facts. <laughs> facts are facts, America. <laughs> facts don't care about your feelings, America. Bam. If you've taken nothing else from this podcast, that is essential. <laughs> this is where you find out where all secret Ben Shapiro stands. <laughs> we love Shut men who can't please their wives. <laughs> My wife is a doctor. My wife is My a doctor. My wife is a doctor. But with all of that, I think that's where we're going to have to end it. We had a good time. We had a lore-heavy time. We had a sword-heavy time. Mm. We had an art-heavy time. An, an online, online heavy, heavy time. time. Right. Lots of sword, lots of art, lots of online. True. <laughs> But that's where we're going to have to call it this week. Until next week, we hope your week isn't a quiet disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. And I've been, oh, God, this virtual reality is terrible. Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Bye. 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 Adios.